You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Well, good morning and, uh, and welcome to church. Um, my name's Sam, I'm the senior minister here at uh, St. John's and it's so wonderful to be together again after someone told me it's almost 100 days, 96 days since we last gathered in this building. And so uh, wonderful to be here listening to God's word. Uh, Today, by the grace of God and by uh, his wonderful wisdom and orchestration, we're actually having the end, the last in our series on Romans chapter 8. Well, actually, the first eight chapters of Romans. And our theme this morning is nothing can separate us. Uh, Which is a wonderful message when so much has been separating us over the last uh, couple of months. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And as uh, Paul uh, writes to the Romans uh, this morning, he writes by the providence of God, that letter ended up in the Bible. And so he not only writes to the Romans uh, back then, but he writes, writes to us here this morning. And if we actually hear what he says, we will be able to face whatever's happened in the past, whatever is going to happen in the future, uh, with a confidence and assurance. Because what Paul says to us is that God is for us and nothing can separate us from his love and therefore we're more than conquerors. So firstly, God is for us. I think it's very easy to have a picture of God as someone who looks down and is just waiting for you to do something wrong. He, he kind of puts up with you, but isn't always uh, fully happy with you. Uh, and as soon as you do something wrong, he's going to come and he's going to whack you. And so you've got to be on your best behaviour with God. Actually, nothing could be further from the truth. Paul says God is for us. I had a teacher in Year 9. So at the school I went to, we, had, we were streamed, and particularly in maths. And so the, most, the best maths... And so the most... The best math students were put in the top math class and so on down. Now, when I did the the test, I was streamed to the bottom class. And I was distraught. Uh, I can still remember standing before my teacher, his name was Mr. Inglis, and tears staring down my face and saying, there must be some mistake, because I don't belong in this class. Uh, and he was really kind. He, he helped me in my struggles and he taught me and I could tell he was, he was really encouraging. He was, he was for me. But I didn't have him again uh, for the rest of my school career. And I didn't really talk to him much uh, after that as well, after that, that year. But it came to year 12, and I did my last big school-assessed exam for maths. And uh, I don't know, it, maybe it was multiple choice, and I just fluked it, but 
uh, I did really, really well. This teacher came up to me in the schoolyard the week after and he told me that ever since I'd been in his class, he had followed my progress each and every year. And he'd just seen the results for the year 12 big exam and he was so happy and he just wanted to congratulate me. Well, that teacher was for me. Uh, and God is for us. He helps us in our struggles. He teaches us. He's in, he, he carries us through. He wants good for us. And that doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to make you rich or that your life will be easy. We just heard a little bit earlier in Romans chapter 8 that God works all things, that's the good things and the rejoicing things, but also uh, the hard things for the good of those who love him. And so God is for us. How can we know that? Because I know we can hear that in our heads, and, but it can sometimes be really hard for us in our hearts to really understand that that is the case, to feel it. Well, how can we know that? Well, we look at what God has given. What's he given? What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything? God has given you the most precious, the most glorious thing that he has, that he is. God the Son himself has been given for you. And if God is for you in that, then he's going to be for you in everything. If, if he wasn't going to do that, it would be like buying the most expensive car in the history of the world and then abandoning it by the side of the road because you're unwilling to pay for fuel. Like, it wouldn't make any sense if God is willing to do that, if he's willing to give his son for you, then he's going to give you all that he gave his son for you for, as it were. That is, he will give you the justification. He'll give you no condemnation. He will give you his grace. God gives you Christ, and therefore you know that he is for you. And so then Paul gives us a series of questions. It's, it's three questions, and the answer to each of these questions is emphatic, and it's the same. He goes through and he says, If God is for us, who can stand against us? Who? No one. If God justified us, who can bring a charge against us? Who? No one. If God has declared us righteous, who can condemn? No one. If God is for us, who can stand against us? It's like God is the most glorious, most powerful most wonderful, most loving, if he's for us, what can stand before God? Nothing can overcome God. And God has justified us who can bring a charge against us. God is the highest authority. There's, there's none above him. So I, 
I used to be a, a lawyer. You'd have a case. Uh, it was decided. People didn't like it, so they'd appeal. They go to the next highest court. We, we head off to the Supreme Court, and then they decided they don't like it. Then they appeal, and you get to the high court, the highest authority in all the land, and if you don't like what the high court says, there's nowhere else to go. They're the highest authority. If God is, has justified us, who can bring a charge against us? No one. The judge who is judge over all the universe has said not guilty. Isn't it wonderful? And we can think, if God, God is for me, yes, I kind of I understand that, but... You know, there are things in my heart, there are things that happen inside me, there's sin in my life, and I think, I, I know God knows that. I know God sees that, and so how on earth could he be for me? But it's actually at that very point that we know that God is most for us. Uh, where he's proven himself for us. Because uh, what has he done? Who is to condemn? It is Christ, Jesus, who died, yes, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. We know that no one can bring a charge, no one can condemn, because there's only one person who has standing in the court of God who possibly could, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what has he done instead? He has died for us. He has been raised for us. He is at the right hand of God, ruling in power for us. And instead of condemning, uh, he's done the exact opposite. He's actually pled our case. He intercedes for us. It's precisely at this point that we know that God is so for us. Because he has taken our sins, he's dealt with our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we trust in him and love him, we know that nothing can separate us from that. And that's actually Paul's next point, is that we can know that God is for us, but how, for how long will he be for us? Well, nothing can separate us from the love of God. You have the love of the God of the universe and nothing can change that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So we've seen that our sin doesn't because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But what about our circumstances? Uh, what about our sufferings? There's been so much that has separated us over the last few months, actually over the last couple of years, isn't it? And I would be surprised if there was even a single person in this room where there hadn't been at least one day where it had just been dark and hard, uh, separated from friends and family, separated from even work colleagues. Who knew that work colleagues were so important? Separated from work colleagues. Uh, I come from South Australia. Who would have thought that the border would have any bearing on our lives? Uh, some of you have family overseas. You're separated from them. And 
It's just, I know for so many people, and I'm sure for all of us at one point or another, it's been hard. And when things are hard, when there's hardship and distress, uh, one of the things that we can think can separate us from God is that feeling that if, if God's letting this happen to me, how can it be that he loves me? How Will our suffering separate us from the love of God? We can ask the question, God, do you love me? Paul says, who will separate us from the love of God in Christ? Will hardship, will distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Now, one of the interesting things about this list is that if you have a look at the book of Acts, the story of Paul's life and ministry, you'll see that he's not just plucking a list from the air. He suffered every single one of these things. A hardship, yes, distress, yes, persecution, yes, famine, yes, nakedness, peril, yes. He hasn't suffered the sword yet. But we know that in time he will. Christian tradition, some of those who write very early in Christian history, tell us that Paul was put to death in Rome by the sword. And I wonder, because he's writing this to Christians in Rome, I just wonder whether there were people he wrote to at, at that time who actually saw him and saw the sword. And I just wonder whether this rang in their ears as they did. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. See, Paul has road tested this. Uh, and it's not like it's, he's a super apostle and it just kind of fell off his back. He, he didn't mind. It, it was, you know, there were sufferings, but he's super holy and so he doesn't really feel them. He says in 2 Corinthians 1.8, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly, unbearably crushed that we despaired of life itself. If you've been in that position... Paul's been in that position too, and what he says is nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so you might look over the last couple of months and say, distress, tick, hardship, tick, as Paul could. But you know that God has held you, God has carried you. I'm, I'm sure there are many people in this room who can look over their whole life and go, hardship tick, distress tick, and often it's those things that are further back in your life and you look back and you see how God carried you and what God did with that and you know that it, it didn't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But maybe you're in the middle of that now and it's hard to see. Well, trust this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing can. Not sin. Not circumstances. Nothing. It's not just sentiment that isn't going to make it past contact with the real world. Uh, this, is, this is true. It carries. And millions of people around the world can testify to it.
And it's not just that our sin and our circumstances can't separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Actually, there's nothing in all creation. Uh, I want you to see how he keeps on putting up two opposites and they're the opposite extremes. And his point is, there's nothing, nothing in the world that can separate us from God's love. For I am convinced that neither death nor life and anything in between Neither angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come. The past can't. Whatever's in your past, whatever's in your future, it can't. Nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. And just in case you've thought of something, he says anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that glorious? And so... If that's the case, if God is for us and nothing can separate us from his love, then actually we are more than conquerors, Paul says. Uh, He says, he's actually gets so excited here that he makes up a a new word. He, He thinks, sometimes, particularly in talking about things as wonderful and glorious as this, uh, you can feel like the English language isn't quite doing justice to it. Uh, well, Paul's speaking in Greek here, and he's thinking, uh, Greek language cannot, cannot measure up to the, the things I'm saying, so he makes up an entirely new word. Part of it you already know. Uh, so uh, here we go. What's the swish mean? How, yeah. This is, this is another thing, by the way, that can separate people. Uh, how do you say that word? So people say Nike, some people say Nike. I put on my Nike. So the Greek actually is Nike, and it means conqueror. And it's the word that Paul uses here, only it's not good enough. He says, okay, uh, all of those things, the sin and hardship, it's not just that in Christ and in his love we overcome them, uh, we're conquering them. Uh, Actually, we're... We're hooper Nike. We're hyper conquering. We're overwhelmingly conquering. It's it's like you've got this enormous. Um, I think about it sometimes. I've got a young son. He's five years old, and uh, he he can occasionally, like all five-year-olds, he's a wonderful kid. I really love him, but sometimes he he tries to stand against me, and it's almost. It's, it's kind of funny because I'm so much bigger, I'm so much stronger. He says, I'm not going to move. And you just go like this. <laughs> I hyper-conquer. <laughs> there, was no, there was nothing. God, in uh, Christ Jesus, in his love, in his overwhelming love, it, it, he, he hyper-conquers. He, it's overwhelming. Nothing can stand before God. God is for us and nothing can stand against us. Uh, either our sin or our circumstances. And so we are, are defeated by what happens. We overcome. And, you know, Paul can say that, again, not because he is a particularly holy man or a particularly able apostle or uh, he's in some way fundamentally different from you or me, because it's not that Paul could say it because he's so tenaciously held on to God and his love. 
It was that God so tenaciously held on to him in his love and would not let him go. And so the fact that we can overcome, that we can be hyper-conquerors has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God who loves and who will not be separated from us in his love. Have you struggled at times over the last couple of years? Well, God is carrying you. He's carrying you right now. And there is nothing in all creation that can stop his love for you. And as you come to him, would you trust him today? And would you trust in the fact that he does love you? Uh, Would you trust in the fact that Jesus died for you? Uh, God is so for you. Well, brothers and sisters, I, I tried to think of how to end this sermon. I couldn't think of a better way than just reading it out. Because it's so glorious and it's so wonderful, isn't it? Let me read it and just take it in and enjoy it. Brothers and sisters, who will separate us? From the love of Christ will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written. For your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, what a wonderful joy it is to come together again as your people to uh, be able to worship you in person, not to be separated anymore. But we thank you, Father, that no matter how separated we've been over this time, we have never, never been separated from your love and from your grace and from your mercy. Uh, And we thank and we praise you for that you showed all of those things in the Lord Jesus Christ as he came to die for us, for our sins, to be raised, uh, to rule at your right hand even now in power for us. And that even now he pleads for us. And so we thank and praise you and am lost in wonder. Help us to know that so deep in our hearts and live it in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.